You're listening to What She Said, a podcast about blogging, creativity and life online hosted by me, Lucy Lucraft, a freelance journalist and blogger based in Brighton. This week I chat to Adventurous Kate, otherwise known as her real name, (laughs) Kate McCulley. She was one of the first bloggers that I ever followed back when I was a travel blogger. She is a really unique voice in the industry in that she has from day one always been super super political and authentic and honest and she pulls no punches. So we chat about some of the amazing things that have happened in her career such as getting shipwrecked. We talk about being political online and how Kate tries to be an ally as much as possible. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lucy. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Thank you so, so much for being a part of it. It kind of just came to me this morning that you were the first blogger that I ever followed online, which is kind of mad. That is amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. I feel honored. (laughs) So with that in mind, for anybody that doesn't know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your blogging journey so far? Yes, I am Kate McCulley, probably better known as Adventurous Kate, and I have been running my site in its current iteration, AdventurousKate.com, for eight years, almost nine now, and I was the first ever travel blogger to focus on solo female travel. I started that niche early on, and to this day, I've been keeping the blog going ever since, and while I spent about five years traveling full-time, these days I live in New York City, and I travel about 25% of the time. It allows me to have a bit more of a life, and... (laughs) Last year, Forbes named me one of the top 10 travel influencers in the world, which was very exciting. That's amazing. It's so crazy to me that from the very start, what I've known you as is a full-time travel blogger in a time when there really weren't that many people who could really call themselves. Oh, there were so few. Mm. Oh, it was different. Well, just, you know, just for clarity's sake, I left on my trip in, I started my blog at the very end of January, 2010. I left for my trip in October 2010. And I had enough money to last me the first seven months. So it's not like I was earning a full salary at that time. The full salary didn't come until the summer after I got back. And even then I was just barely scraping by for quite some time. (laughs) It wasn't until 2014 that I actually started making good money doing this. Mm -hmm. That was a changing point for me. Yeah. You've always stuck out to me. It's the reason why I've always followed you when I was traveling in Southeast Asia and you were doing the same and when I wasn't anymore and when you were traveling in like South America and you were doing different things um I it's your voice you've always had a very I want to say unapologetic voice which certainly in the blogs that I was reading at the time felt like it was quite rare um you've never shied away from controversy you've never really apologized yeah unapologetic Has that always come naturally to you? Well, can I first say that controversy is my favorite word in a British accent ever? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Um, Yeah, honestly, yes. Yeah, you are correct. This is my voice. But honestly, this is who I am. Mm. This is who I've always been. When I was a middle schooler, when I was 12 years old, I would do dares at school. My friends would give me dares and I would do them. And I didn't care what anyone thought. I just thought it was funny and I was comfortable with that. And I have always been someone who tends to speak up for the people who don't have as much of a voice. So I find that that has carried over well into my site itself. 
But did you ever find, I mean, I, I found that when I found my voice as someone being quite honest and just being vulnerable and really stepping into that, initially it didn't always feel super comfortable. And I sometimes did worry to press publish, but it's almost been like a muscle for me. Has it been the same for you? I completely agree that it's like a muscle. And it, it's also like being thick skinned too. Mm. The first time that you get a negative comment on your site, you'll probably lock yourself in your bedroom and cry for weeks. But over time, it does get easier the more you do it. What are the topics that you found to be the, have ignited the most fire in people? Well, political topics, I find, are always very charged mm. for obvious reasons. And of course, the blogosphere skews very liberal, always mm. has, although there are a small number of travel bloggers who are actually Trump supporters. I refer to them as people who have learned absolutely nothing on their travels. <laughs> come from the mold of, I love Jesus, especially the part where he screws over the poor. <laughs> but again, sorry, I'll, I won't get too into that. Um, but honestly, I think that we've been in a very interesting time these last few years. Jokingly, I call it the wokeification of America. Mm. I think that people are more waking up to privilege, to intersectionality. And I feel like it's finally become, so to speak, almost like a badge of honor for saying that you know more about these issues than other people. People want to be woke. People want to be aware. Mm. People want to be helping others. And I I do feel like people, and that makes people very interested in topics about privilege and travel. Yeah, I wonder if there's almost been a bandwagoning or a fetishization of, hey, I'm white and I travel and I've got privilege. Just the saying of that, I, I wonder if there's something of that. I don't know. Would you agree? I do know exactly what you mean. I do feel that there are a number of people who mean it and mm -hmm. who live it. And there are probably a greater number of people who attempt to say it, but get past it in a very clumsy way or completely miss the point. But I do agree with you that, yes, we are seeing more people saying that these days. So as a new blogger, or just as any blogger, I get the impression that um, you would encourage owning your voice and standing up for something. I, I do think that it's very important because if you're if you're wishy-washy, if you're playing to please everybody, guess what? Nobody's going to remember anything about you. And do you think that's one of the number one things now? Because I was talking to Monica Stott yesterday and we were talking about niche. Um, you have always been a personality blogger from the start. You wouldn't just necessarily say, oh, Adventurous Kate, she's she's a travel blogger. Like You, you would very clearly be it or a solo female travel blogger. Even though you are those things, I would very much say you're you differentiate yourself by, by virtue of the fact that you are a personality blogger and that's stamped over every single one of your posts. Um, how do you weave that your personality and weave that political stance and anything into your blog to make it a little bit more uh, different to everybody else's? Well, at the beginning, I think of some advantages that I have. I've been blogging for a very, very long time. I started my first blog my freshman year of college in 2002. Wow. That's back when the word blog wasn't even a real thing. It was on the site called diaryx.com. And thankfully, it was eaten by the internet, which is great <laughs> because I had no filter on there. I got in a lot of trouble because I was talking about which girls on my floor were hooking up with who and all that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so I've had a very long time developing my voice. That I think is the most important thing. And I, 
And I also think that one of the mistakes that I'm seeing these days is I, I feel like these days, the majority of people who start blogs, travel or otherwise, have a financial goal in mind. Mm. They're doing it because they want to get paid to do it. And when that is hovering in the front of their minds, it affects their writing. It stifles their voice. Me, I spent so many years writing for fun. And even when I started Adventurous Kate for real in 2010, I was under the impression that there were exactly two ways to make money with a travel blog, uh, get a book deal or get a movie deal. That's it. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's almost like you had that free, and I, I felt the same. I didn't start my blog with a goal of making money because I didn't really know that you could do that. Um, do you think that gives us a, a, a like a big old freedom pass in a way that we were able to develop our voice in kind of naive bliss? <laughs> I think it allowed us to grow organically the way that we were supposed to grow. We, we were able to spend all that time developing our voice and being creative mm. rather than playing to an audience that would end up purchasing things through us. I think that's a really important distinction. And it's, it's not to say that you shouldn't start your blog with the goal of monetizing it eventually, but you, I suppose you have to be aware that you kind of can't do both. You can't grow in a very organic way and let yourself make mistakes and flourish and then make a consistent income from day one. Exactly. I always tell new bloggers, don't expect to make a dime the first year, but I think perhaps a better mindset would be don't even try to make a dime the first year. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like not a lot of people say stuff like that. This is why I love you, because you'll just say it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so when we were talking at the beginning, um, kind of offline, you were saying, oh, my God, that's amazing. I can't wait to talk about this. Something happened just yesterday. <laughs> yes. Yeah, tell us. Um, well, obviously, keeping the parts that are private that need to stay private. I'm working on a campaign with a company. And there was a clause in the contract that said, you will not showcase your political views. And I jumped on that and said, you realize who I am, right? <laughs> you realize there's political material in everything I do on the social media. You realize that my most popular Instagram photos of all time are photos of me at various political protests around the U.S. And they actually came back to me and they said, oh, Kate, you know, that this is just a standard contract. So that was why that was in there. But actually, we already vetted you politically. And I said, wow. you what? They said, yeah, we vetted you politically before we even considered you for this campaign. And we found that, yes, you are very political, but you do it in a very tasteful way. And as long as you don't go off on a radical tangent while at one of while in the actual content that you're doing for this campaign, that we're totally fine with it. And wow, I was like, you think I'm tasteful? <laughs> what did you think about the use of that word tasteful? Oh, it, it made me very proud of myself. I made me think that I it made me think I should be like drinking a cup of tea or something. You know? <laughs> I would agree. I think you do you do it in a tasteful way. You don't attack others. You don't drop the sea bomb willy nilly. Oh no! Oh, in America, that's much more of a faux oh, pas. Sure. I think okay. than in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would do that on an Instagram caption either, and I'm pretty sweary. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I definitely won't do it if I suddenly get a massive American audience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. So taking it back to kind of the early days of the blog, when you were blogging and traveling at the same time, what kind of stumbling blocks did you have? Stumbling blocks? Well, in my early days, I was traveling in Southeast Asia. 
I kicked off my travels with what was supposed to be a seven-month trip to Southeast Asia, turned into six months in Southeast Asia and one month in the UK, but that is a story of its own. Um, one roadblock that I didn't expect was that um, I was traveling solo, but I met some amazing friends along the way who I traveled with for a few weeks, sometimes a little bit longer than that. And when I remember being in Vietnam in Hoi An, I think, and some people, some of my friends went to see the ruins. They went to all these sites and I was like, oh, you guys, I really can't. I got to stay back and blog. And back then I was writing a post a day, but they were very short. These days I write extremely long posts and they tend to be one to two per week. So they're much, so it's quite different. But just having to give up that time that people were spending exploring. I mean, people had nothing to do and I had to stay back and get my work done. Yeah, that's an interesting position to be in as well, because you're straddling that kind of, yeah, I'm a backpacker. And, and I, oh, maybe this was even before the term digital nomad was officially coined. It was, it wasn't, it was kind of a niche item back then, though. It wasn't in the general lexicon at that point. Yeah. And I, I also feel like even when I first went traveling, that's not something that I saw at all. But the second time I went traveling, I did meet other bloggers regularly, just people, you know, starting blogs to make money and therefore working as opposed to just hanging out in the hostels that we were in. I can relate to that, except that when I first started blogging, I wasn't making any money from it for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. But conversely, what have been the biggest kind of growth boosters for you? Growth boosters? Well... Um, this is not something I would recommend to anybody else, but I was shipwrecked in March 2011. Oh my god, I remember! <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the story, I wrote about it, and obviously the story got picked up because it was insane. Mm. And for years, Lonely Planet referred to it as a quote-unquote well-documented shipwreck. I was like, that was me! I was the documentary <laughs> of the shipwreck! <laughs> Oh my goodness. You know that that post that you wrote, I still remember it. It was a, was it Parama? It was Parama. I still remember it. And it, mm -hmm. I never liked boats that much beforehand. But um, when I was in Indonesia, I refused to go on Parama boats. I just refused, flat out refused. And, and my husband was like, well, you know, this one's cheap. Come on, we can go on it. And I was like, no, I will show you the video that Kate made. <laughs> we are not going on one. <laughs> oh God. And, you know, if I'm able to make a quick PSA in here, my big advice is to not take boats at night in Indonesia mm. or just don't take boats at night in the developing country to begin with. Just boats can be really scary. Mm. And if you want to go to Komodo Island, the best thing to do is to go to Labuan Bajo on the island of Flores and do a day trip, not an overnight trip. I don't know what a PSA is, but that is a good bit of advice. Yeah. Public service announcement. Oh, nice. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah. That's what we call them in the States. <laughs> That's a good tip. And I will link to that post in the show notes because it's, it's brilliant. It's really, I want to say, I was about to say it's really funny, but it absolutely isn't funny. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But actually, this is another good story because that was a press trip, wasn't it? It was a press trip. Um, I actually didn't try to get much comp stuff on my first Southeast Asia trip, but I figured out eh, what the hell. And I wrote to Parama and told them I would love to cover the trip and they offered it to me as a comp. How did you navigate that after <laughs> afterwards when you when you had to say to them, not only am I not going to, well, well I'm going to write about this. This is, yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. What's happened? I don't know how you'd ever be able to sugarcoat a shipwreck, but. Well, honestly, immediately after the shipwreck, things were just chaotic. I was emailing the Parama people all the time. So were my friends. We were just trying to figure out 
when are we getting our stuff back? Because the crew robbed us as well. Mm. And it was, it was just a mess, but eventually they handed back, I think they handed back the money to everybody. I want to say around $200 or something like that, but maybe I'm imagining that number. And they handed the back the money back to everyone. And they went down the list and they looked at my name and they said, Kate McCulley free. No, you don't get money back. But then my friends on the ship said, Kate, we just went to the Perum office. There is an envelope with your name on it. Go get it. So I went to the office and I'm like, uh, is there an envelope with my name? They're like, oh, here's yours. And it had the money in it for the trip. So I technically made money on the trip. Oh, wow. I mean, it's that's kind of a small reward, isn't it, for having to jump off a sinking boat? But still. Yes. Horrendous. And, um, and obviously that was an extreme example but I think there's a good lesson in what you do when something goes wrong, when it's a press trip. And the standard that I always use is right of reply. I tell people beforehand, if anything goes wrong, I'm going to let you know what happens before I post it in the blog. And you'll get a chance to reply to it if you want to. And if you don't, it'll say that you chose not to respond to comment. That's a really professional way of doing it. And also it reminds me of how it would be if you were going on a press trip as a journalist and I wonder how many bloggers um, think to approach press trips in that way I do because I'm a journalist and actually because I don't really go on press trips as a blogger anyway but the way you've approached that described approaching that that's exactly how a journalist would do it which is I think is pretty interesting that other people don't do the same thing well the thing is we didn't really get any training we just Uh, kind of jumped into here and all of the all the materials online are here's some advice on how to make money, how to build mm. a business, how to be a brand. And there's nothing about how to ethically, how to navigate ethical minefields when you're getting comps and something goes wrong. And there's so many that can happen. If you've ever listened to the podcast before, you'll have heard me mention the blogger course. And for good reason too. Monica Stock created the Travel Hack back in 2009, and since then she's become one of the most respected travel bloggers in the UK, if not the world. She's worked with a gazillion brands and she even has her own suitcase, which is amazing, by the way. Over a series of weeks, Monica shares tips on creating video content, branding, writing, and the dreaded niche. (laughs) In fact, this was such a game changer of a chapter for me that I went from thinking I was just a travel blogger to knowing that I am something completely different and that I have a super tight niche. It really, really changed my blogging life. The course isn't the only thing that you'll get as all chapters are available for audio download and when you join you become a member of the Private Blogger Course Facebook group where members share tips, tricks and opportunities too. Monica also gave members of the course the chance to join her on a press trip this year. In fact I think they've been on two Blogger Course Weekenders with Wow Trip um, and there's more to come so that's a pretty cool opportunity and it's not one that I've seen with any other course. If you want to sign up, head to thebloggercourse.com today and get 20% off with the code what she said. That's 20% off with the code what she said. So going back to, um, you know, being political online and using your voice to raise up those who perhaps can't, how do you make sure that you're living that across your social media consistently on your blog? in real I hate to use the word in real life but you know what I mean I feel like more than anything it's organic because honestly this isn't my life this isn't this isn't a persona that I'm putting Mm. on for the blog I'm very involved with politics I always have been since I was a kid and I have always been involved in speaking up for others and 
I do feel like there are some more negative trends that are that are spreading through. Like I'll give you a pretty much a paraphrased statement that someone made. I was going to write about politics, but I didn't, you know what? And I'm not even thinking about it anymore. And I'm so much happier. <laughs> and of course that's covered with thumbs ups and hearts and, oh, you go, you're so smart. That's how to do it. And I was like, well, you know, of course you you have the luxury of doing that. You know, you're a wealthy white woman and you don't have kids. You have a partner whose support you can count on. You're not the person who is going to be on the front lines dealing with the impacts of the Trump administration. You know, you're, you're past childbearing age. You, you don't even have to worry about Roe v. Wade being overturned. And that's that's the way I see it. You know, I don't I don't fight for myself, you know it's a radical concept, but I care about people who aren't just myself. And, you know, that's who I fight for. That's who I do all my work for. That's who I donate all my money for the people who don't have the luxury. I mean, if things go pretty bad in America, you know, my, I really want to stay here for the long haul, but if things get like Gilead-esque, Handmaid's mm. Tale, all that stuff, I do have a couple places in mind. I would be able to, I would be able to like get an artist visa in Germany if I were mm. able to do that. Um, I have so many friends around the world, some of whom I'm sure would be very happy to marry me and get me out of there <laughs> if, you know, it came to that. But most people don't have those luxuries. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I am seeing more people willing to spend their privilege and use it how they should be using it. And cash it in. Cash it in, yeah. And I And you're right, like this shouldn't be a a wild thing that even I'm asking you like wow you do this it should be this is this we're humans this is what we should be doing for each other it really makes you wonder what the world would be like if evangelical Christians actually lived the teachings of Jesus Christ yeah (laughs) I know right I remember I didn't actually go to your talk in Rotterdam because I went home early but um it was to do with bloggers who support Trump openly Mm -hmm. and it was about just kind of blanket banning them yes well I I didn't say they should be banned from the world Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) I will say this I don't think that there are any bloggers who support Trump super openly Mm -hmm. not on their websites not on their social media because that would pretty much be anathema in our field but they are more open on their private Facebook profiles so to speak. Yeah, sure. And that's where the list came to be. There's a list of travel bloggers who support Donald Trump out there. And I do know some people in the traveling blog, travel blogging industry who are racist. I confronted one on this trip in the US that I did a few years ago, and it was a wild situation. What really disappointed me is that the sponsor of the trip pretty much didn't care at all. They were just nonchalant and yeah. So yes, I will actively speak out if a certain if the racist bloggers in particular are working on a certain campaign. Yeah. The Trump supporters, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna work that hard. But the people who are openly hostile to people of different races, you bet I will fight against getting them any work. I will I will try to cut them off from anything that yeah. I can. And just because it's good business for the people who are working with them. They're leaving themselves subject yeah. to having to having their their person make racist statements. Yeah. 
It leaves them very vulnerable, yeah. So I think I would I think it's fair to say that you are an intersectional feminist. Absolutely. Yeah. What what is bothering you at the moment about the blogosphere and how we are treated as women? Because there's a few things that bother me. I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say about it. Well, being in this space for almost nine years now, I started before Instagram existed. I started before Pinterest existed. The internet has obviously changed quite a bit. And as I said earlier, there are a lot of more people who start a blog expressly with the aim of making money or subsidizing their travels or getting free stuff along the way. But I think an even bigger problem that we have these days, particularly amongst female travel bloggers, is the generous. It's like everything has become so generic. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time I read something from a newer blogger that actually had personality as part of it. Everything is written for SEO. Everything uses the same exact plugins. Everything has the table of contents app at the top, even if it's a post that doesn't need it at all. And and yes, like they're completely optimized for SEO and they play to their niche and they've got a good design and all this stuff. But I couldn't tell you a single thing about any of these bloggers. It, it bores me to sleep. I hate to say that. But I really wish we could return to the time when people actually showed more of a personality. Why do you think that is then? I think that they're chasing money. And also they think the way to success is copying the people all around them. Oh, also, I get copied so much. It drives me insane. Yeah, I can imagine. But I, but I know, you know, it comes with the territory. You're yeah. one of the first. You're one of the biggest. It's, it's just going to happen. Because I have a bit of a theory on why this happens. And I really, yeah. And I think as women, we feel that we have to see a blueprint. We really struggle to carve our own path. There are there are a few people who do it, and you're absolutely right. There'll be people like you, and I'm thinking of people in the UK as well who do it, and they'll mm-hmm. be the first and the biggest, which means that people thereafter will copy them, will do things in their style, at least to start off with. And that comes down to the self-doubt that women feel. Really? I think so, yeah, because I, I mean, I think you're – you are very unique in that you have a very strong sense of self and you have had from day one of your blog. But most people, especially most women, I think when you look back at their early posts, they will be written in the style of someone else or they'll be written exactly how the course told them to write it. Yes, exactly like the course, whatever course they took. Exactly. But that's what happens, isn't it? And that's because we just don't trust ourselves as women. We we aren't empowered from mm-hmm. a young age. And in blogging, it's doubly hard because we don't have an HR department we don't have colleagues who are sat next mm-hmm. to us telling us we're good that's my theory yeah no I think that you are absolutely onto something there I think that's a huge factor I don't know how we change that but I think having women like you who walk the walk walk the talk even walk the walk walk the talk do both yeah (laughs) is the way forward (laughs) isn't it because the more that people coming into blogging can see somebody ahead of them who is not afraid to say their opinions isn't gonna pose in bikinis well you know you do pose in bikinis you don't pose in bikinis but you'll take pictures in bikinis but that's not like your modus operandi 
the more that we can see stuff like that. I'll pose in a bikini and talked about the one time an Indian reader posted on my Instagram, hi, Kate, I've noticed you've gotten really fat over the years. Is it hard to stay in shape while traveling? (laughs) Yes, I saw your Instagram caption. Oh, yeah, (laughs) that really happened. Oh, that would have... Honestly, it's a cultural thing. Mm. I get it. In India, it's less rude or something, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably still stung though, but... Oh I yeah, mean... especially since I thought I looked good in that picture, but mm, there you go. <laughs> which, which you do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, you've been amazing. You've been a brilliant guest. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much. I really love bring, being here and thank you for all the kind things that you said. <laughs> Anytime. You know I'm a massive fangirl. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so that everyone can come and stalk you, read your beautiful words, cheer you on, where can everybody find you online? Um, it's pretty easy. Everything <laughs> is Adventurous Kate. Instagram, Adventurous Kate. Twitter, Adventurous Kate. Um, adventuruskate.com and if you want to read about the shipwreck just google Adventurous Kate shipwreck and you'll find it <laughs> perfect thank you so so much thank you thanks for listening you can find me at Lucy Lucraft everywhere you can find old episodes of what she said over at lucylucraft.com where you'll also find me chatting about all things blogging travel vegan life and zero waste living too if you enjoyed this episode, you know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Please think about leaving a review for the show. It genuinely makes a massive difference to me. Um, and I really, really appreciate every single review you leave. I read every single one. They're really, really kind. And sometimes they even have a little cry when I read them because they're just so, so lovely. I respect and admire and appreciate every single one of you whether you leave a review or not I just I love that you listen and reach out and tweet me and whatever and just remember that every review that you leave I give two pounds to charity the charity this month is endometriosis uk 